Hello and welcome on The Barricades. My name is Bojan Stanislavski. I will be your host today. I was not able to coordinate the recording of this episode with Dr. Maria Cherna, the usual co-host of the show, so I'll be here uh, alone today. I still hope the program will be interesting for you. I have some uh, very important news to share and I think very important comments to make about those news. Uh, as, as I'm sure some of you have heard, uh, many significant events have happened, occurred in Poland in recent weeks. And uh, I I was not able to comment on them earlier. I'm currently preoccupied with uh, various business matters unrelated to to my, or I should say, to our journalistic activities. I previously explained that many times in our program, our publishing house, our media company uh, engages in extensive commercial activities from thanks to which, uh, among other things, of course, we raise funds to carry out our our journalism, our journalistic activities. And uh, it's uh, not uncommon for me mm, simply not to have enough room, enough time and strength to participate in our journalistic work after dealing with various with various uh, commercially contractual issues with clients. And uh, such circumstances exist right now. Nonetheless, uh, I, I decided to make this recording as several serious, really serious events in Poland have occurred uh, that may have uh, very, again, very serious international ramifications. And uh, I just thought that comment on them is absolutely necessary. And in today's episode, of course, I will limit myself to the most important and, and most fundamental issues. I hope I will be able to perhaps expand on, on those topics. Uh, on the topics, I'll hint at today. Uh, I hope to be able to expand on that soon, but for now, I'll just discuss what I consider to be the uh, what I consider to be the most pressing issues. And uh, actually, I was I was prompted uh, to make today's comment, like the direct incentive to make the uh, the recording today was an article that I came across in the British press. Uh, and uh, this text is actually not a very recent one, relatively recent, because it's from about a week ago. Uh, for the record, today is the 26th of January, and I'm coming to you from Warsaw, Poland. Uh, this text, as I said, appeared in the British press, uh, and, and uh, it was published on January 20th in uh, the Daily Telegraph newspaper, uh, Richard Kemp, one Richard Kemp, a former British Marine, is uh, is the author. <clears throat> uh, unfortunately, I I was not able to read the whole of the article because it's behind a paywall and I don't have a subscription for, uh, for the Daily Telegraph. Uh, and and uh, you know I will not even quote from it because I will not read out any parts of it because I don't want to come. In, uh, to cause any copyright issues for our channel. Uh, let me just uh, tell you what the title and, and the headline below the title is. Uh, it's very telling. So, uh, all right, let me look it up so I don't, I don't make any mistake. Poland's bravery has humiliated Germany. Despite having more to fear from Putin, Poland has done what Germany should have done and promised to. It's becoming a military superpower. Again, Poland is becoming a military superpower, according to Richard Camp, who published this rather weird thesis on the columns of the Daily Telegraph six days ago. Now, I want to say that when I came across this, when I read it, I froze for a while. I mean, seriously froze, because this is a very, very dangerous sign. And everybody should actually, well, I don't want to say everybody should be freaking out, but everybody should really be alerted and apprehended by this, because when the British press begins you know, to praise Poland, especially in, a, in, in the midst of a major war, most likely before 
a major escalation within that war, we should all be very, very careful and very concerned. The Polish government, I said that many times, but now it's just becoming increasingly clear, is increasingly following in the footsteps of what happened in 1939 and 1940, when exactly in the very same manner, not with the same words and formulations, of course, but in a very same manner, the British press declared Poland to be to be the greatest nation of you know in Europe, if not the world, the inspiration of nations. You know, uh, until of course it was no longer that. Uh, shortly after the German-Soviet war broke out, Poland immediately ceased to be a source of inspiration for nations, and it became a kind of liability, or or at least you know, a very burdensome ballast, which the British and Americans uh, were very happy, uh, you know, were relieved to get rid of at the end of the Second World War, in particular in 1945, when, uh, you know, the I think the most symbolic manifestation <coughs> uh, of this was uh, the withdrawal of the recognition from the government in exile, the government of Republic of Poland in London, and then they even went as far as to forbid the Polish soldiers from uh, uh, from participating in the kind of in, in the celebrations in, in victor various victory parades and events uh, because they simply did not want to irritate Joe Stalin. And now you know you get this Richard Kemp, a former, uh, as I said, I, I guess. Uh, a naval infantry officer uh, who's written for the Daily Telegraph that Poland is on its way, you know, is becoming a military superpower. And, and not, not just a superpower, a military superpower. Uh, so that, that's, that, that, of course, is absolutely pathetic. I've spoken once about what I think of the state of the Polish army. There are some very uh, disturbing news. Some of them I brought in uh, our previous discussions with Maria Czerna and with our guests uh, here on that channel. I will not. Uh, I don't have the time to 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 repeat it all again. Uh, but then let's just focus for a short while on on the reason why. How is Poland becoming a superpower right now? So it's becoming a superpower because it managed, according to the to the thesis laid out in this article to blackmail Germany, morally blackmail Germany, or morally slash politically blackmail Germany, uh, to hand over its Leopard tanks to Ukraine. This is, of course, nonsense on its face. Uh, it, it, it's nonsense to anyone who has devoted at least five seconds to think about the international political constellations in, in our part of the world, you know, Central Europe, like between Germany, Poland, and, and this, this is, as I said, nonsense. I don't want to use any stronger word. Uh, fact of the matter is, yes, Germany will hand over tanks to Ukraine. It was reluctant to do so, and Poland was getting... Uh, absolutely crazy about this, and they've uh, they, they've used this uh, to present themselves as those who really want to solve the Ukrainian problem by delivering weapons, and and they wanted to, of course, point their finger at Germany, uh, which is uh, somehow perhaps obstructing this process, and of course they do it mostly for internal political reasons because they want to show to their base that they are the only real patriots who can deal with uh with the um uh, with such a critical international situation and uh that you know had it not been for germany and and the government of law and justice is uh very hostile to germany it's hostile to everyone really it's hostile to russia it's hostile to germany it's hostile to brussels it's only friendly with uh, the united states and even i would say with the part of with only a part of the uh, American establishment. Uh, anyway, they've, 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 of course, presented themselves as those who actually want to do something and Germany obstructing it. So that was very, very important. And they've, they've been beating this drum, uh, drum for, uh, you know, days now. And, uh, of course, it, it, this, this 
The spin was repeated in many international media, I think mostly because the Americans actually cared for the Germans to do that. Uh, but the Germans have not done this because Poland pressured them. This is an absolutely ridiculous thesis. There is no way that Germany will do something because someone from Poland is outraged by what Germany is doing. Germany is ceasing to be that, but up until pretty recently, it used to be a very serious country. And serious countries will never bow to any kind of comments, no matter how how strong they are in terms of their vocabulary made by countries which are not serious and uh, i've uh, i think i've i've put forward this categorization a few times before countries are different of course there are different many different countries many different political systems different cultures different political classes but the m- most important division is serious countries and unserious countries and up until recently as i said i think even until now uh it's it, it's changing but germany has been a very serious country one of the major players while poland is a peripheral very unserious country and uh there is no way that poland whatever they say however they act will in any way affect the political decision taking process in germany this is ridiculous on its face if you don't understand that then uh there is this british saying i i've got a what was it i've got a bridge to sell you right uh schultz uh, stated actually uh during this period of hesitation that it will it could that germany could german government german government could uh consider sending leopard tanks to ukraine but only under the condition that the united states send their abrams uh tanks to ukraine and this is what happened this is what was that's why we had all this talk about the failure of the ramstein meeting in the military base in germany because germany was then very stubborn about no 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 we're not sending anything like if you want to send something then maybe we'll consider it and then the discussion was growing the tension was growing and finally you know in order uh to uh for everyone to save face i suppose uh and 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 uh to to open the way for sending those weapons the americans agreed to send the abrams tanks uh and uh subsequently uh subsequently of course germany decided that okay we're going to go for uh for that as well with our leopard tanks and uh, that of course is going to take time like we don't know when exactly is it all going to be uh when when are those tanks going to be deployed from what i gather i'm not a military specialist by any stretch but uh when you watch uh comments uh, delivered uh commentaries sorry delivered by people like Brian Belletic of the New Atlas or uh Alexander Mercuris from the Duran then and i find their analysis very very interesting very credible and fact based they say that it'll all take a long time before the crews uh are trained on in Germany in Poland I don't know where uh and uh also there's this question about the amount of tanks i mean Poland decided to if if i understand correctly one uh company of tanks which uh which is which is about a dozen tanks or maybe 14 less than 20 then uh, pretty much a similar amount was uh Germany's supposed to send a similar amount then there are some 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 other countries which of course are going to donate their tanks i don't know whether they're going to leopard tanks or other tanks uh, but uh, i'm talking about finland denmark and uh, some other you know military superpowers uh, i'm making inverted commas uh, marks in the air uh, for those who listen to the audio uh, of course there are no military superpowers oh spain like you know you know I remember that they they were also going to send some tanks. Uh I I don't know whether they are going to be able to collect 100 maybe 200 tanks this way. Uh it's it's a very strange thing what is happening right now uh as Brian Belletic uh said on one of his programs they are or was it him? I think it was him. He said they are putting up together an army on the fly. 
which is not how you build an army. This is not anything that uh, could effectively uh, be trained and then take part in in actual war. But anyway, this is this is not my this is not my field. This is not my specialty. I, I, it's very difficult for me to competently comment on things like that. So I'll just focus on uh, the situation, the political situation in Poland and the political events here. Uh, or maybe I should also add that Russia has, of course, reacted to this uh, by saying that for them, it means uh, a major increase in hostilities in Ukraine, a major escalation. For me, I, I really don't know um, what, it, what it's supposed to mean. We uh, don't know if they mean that now maybe Russia will start destroying Western weapons uh, shipments inside Ukraine. Maybe, I don't know, they would launch a massive offensive west of the front line in some parts of the of the contact line. Uh, or maybe they would start uh, destroying, bombing, shelling what they uh, refer to as decision-taking, uh, decision-making, decision-taking centers. They have threatened by the way, to do that many times, uh, or at least a few times, maybe not many, of the over the course of this war. Uh, in any case, uh, we'll we'll see how it goes. But the escalation, in my opinion, is undoubtedly imminent. Every everyone is expecting it, and uh, it's not just the West donating the tanks, but it's also this three hundred thousand soldiers that Russia has mobilized, and uh, they have not yet been used. For all I know, at least. So I'm suppo- I, I suppose that at some point in time, and it's rather sooner than later, they will be used. And uh, this is going to be a very heavy uh, hammer that's going to fall. And, and whether the West is going to be able to somehow contain this, I or, or the Ukrainian army with the support of the West will able to contain this. I don't know. I don't think so. Again, without being a military specialist, I judging judging by all the information that I came across in the public sphere from sources that I find credible myself, I'm not able to corroborate any of those uh, you know analysis or information that is provided there. But I trust those sources. Uh, they have. Uh, they have never let me down in terms of the merits that they put forward. So uh, it seems like it's impossible for the Ukrainian military uh, to 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 in any way contain a looming Russian escalation offensive. And uh, you know, it's increasingly it's getting increasingly possible that the Russians, sorry, that the West is going to somehow try and interfere directly into the conflict on uh, Ukrainian zone, uh, sorry, on Ukrainian territory. And uh, that unfortunately would, well, unfortunately, uh, this is not a great, this is all, of course, very, very unfortunate, but that would involve, in my opinion, almost certainly Poland breaching into uh into ukraine poland uh doing something in in our most recent interview with scott raider scott raider said that he his only fear is that poland or romania could do something very stupid and he certainly hopes uh that's what he said that he hopes that they will not do that stupid thing whatever it could be and of course i think the first the first thought that that comes to one's mind is that they could just actually send actual troops to confront uh, the Russian army on Ukrainian territory, which would escalate into a, f- or potentially would escalate into a major Russia-NATO conflict, and uh, and the consequences of it are, of course, absolutely unpredictable. And uh, and I will I will go back to that because you know it has to do with the tone, in my opinion, of the British press. And it has to do with something that uh, something else that had occurred uh, recently. But before I speak about that, you know, I also want to pose two questions, which I'm very irritated. I'm very irritated by the fact that they are not being posed. And, uh, you know, before this escalation occurs, before maybe the Poland gets involved in one way or another, I hope this will not happen. I really... 
I really, really hope it will not happen. I do not think, I said, I've stated it many times and I stand by my words, Poland is not prepared to to oversee such a complicated operation, regardless of whether we think that would be good or bad. Of course, I, I, I think it would be horrible. It, it would be a horrible choice and it should never be made. But if it is made, then Poland the Polish government, the Polish political class and the military brass does not have the mental capacity, the intelligence, and I'm not talking about the intelligence in terms of like, you know, uh, uh, as institutions and like secret police or anything like that. I mean, intelligence in terms of the possibility of, of strategic thinking. They, they don't have that. They've proven time and time again over the course of the last couple of years that those people... Law and justice, Jaroslav Kaczynski, the petty dictator of the internal political process in Poland, they are not able to rule a country at all, let alone a country in crisis. They are not going to be able all the more to wage any war, even in, in, in some kind of, in their mind, probably that would be, uh, you know, limited, limited scope, limited scale. This is absolutely impossible. They will, they will fail and it will be a failure every step of the way. And I think they know this, but they are still likely to do that if they get some kind of green light from the United States. Because one thing that they want to prevent on the domestic front is elections this year, which should happen, should occur, should be organized according to uh, well, according to the to the regulations, according to the law, uh, and and uh, they want to prevent that because uh, law and justice is unfortunately for them, unfortunately uh, losing, and uh, every elections uh, is a major risk for them, and 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 the risk is big not just for them that they're going to lose power, but this is also dangerous for them. I mean, the whole party could fall apart. I, I will speak about that maybe in another program. They are at war, not only you know internationally on all fronts with Russia, with Germany, with Brussels, with uh, with many other you know international uh, and national entities. They are also at war with the Polish establishment, the Polish political establishment with pretty much every other political organization that exists, that has existed in Poland since 1989. And uh, they've turned themselves into some kind of corporation. They're not a re they, they're not a typical party anymore. They are everywhere on every level of, uh, of bu state bureaucracy, municipal bureaucracy, all kinds of state institutions. They, uh, those that they were not able to take over, they've created parallel ones, uh, which is of course contradicting the constitution. They've broken, they've broken so many laws. Uh, they are threatened by so many court suits, tribunal suits, and all kinds of uh, all kinds of repercussions. And the client, they, they are, they're, um, they have s such a massive clientele. So many people. Who depend on them in various uh, in, in various institutions, and they also depend on those people. So it's a kind of interdependency that they they really, if they lose elections, they lose uh, pretty much. Uh, it, I'm not saying that it will, you know, you know, it will happen for sure, but it's likely that they will just simply fall apart, and then you know, the rest of the establishment will make sure that they never come back to uh, any kind of mainstream politics. So uh, this is the kind of domestic uh, element here. But, you know, since we're already there, I just want to ask those two questions because no one is asking them. And I'm very, uh, as I said, irritated by it. So the first is, the first question is, how much money has Poland actually given to Ukraine thus far? Because, you know, it's, it, I think it's important to know. And it's pretty hazy. hazy. I looked for, for data. It's really scarce. The Polish government, uh, I've only come across this uh I mean, this is the most kind of uh, the most substantial information with regards to that. That the Polish government boasted in in September last year that the value of its aid to Ukraine, excluding the uh, 
uh, I don't know, welfare. Well, welfare is not a good word here, but the kind of money for Ukrainian refugees in Poland that the, the, the this aid had cost uh, three billion Polish lotties, which is about six, seven hundred uh, thousand, uh, seven hundred million uh, dollars or euros, uh, and it's also about a little more than one percent of Poland's gross domestic product. So it's not just you know the kind of sum that you can ignore. But then there are some calculations uh, in various opposition on various opposition platforms. I'm talking about right wing opposition platforms, not the civic, uh, not the kind of what is referred to as the liberal opposition, which is Donald Tusk's uh, party. Uh, I'm talking about some sometimes even hardcore right wing uh, platforms, uh, which I personally don't support, but I think that they're since they are the only ones trying to make some calculations and I have to base myself on something that is available in the public record, uh, that uh, including this, uh, including the money that were transferred in one form or another to Ukrainian refugees or to families hosting Ukrainian refugees uh, in Poland, it, we're talking about 50 billion zlotys, which means many, many times over than the three billion that were uh, spent. But even if this if this figure is mistaken, wrongly calculated, let it be 25 billion. It's still a, a huge sum. You know, uh, 3 billion, for example, is, is pretty much what the city of Warsaw, the biggest city in, in uh, Poland, spends on its public transit. Uh, 25 billion is probably over the... Uh, is more than the, the whole budget of the city of Warsaw. I mean, I'm not sure, but I'm, I'm guessing right now. Uh, and the problem is that, you know, I'm not against transferring money to refugees, to people who need it. I, I'm not against any of this, but I think the public should actually be aware of it. Uh, I mean, this is the money of Polish taxpayers in the final aftermath. And uh, I think that the Polish taxpayers have simply the right to know what does the government do with their money. And the second question that I think needed uh, need to be asked need to be addressed uh, is is the kind of basis, the kind of um, the kind of explanation for 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 this assistance to Ukraine. I mean, how is Poland actually providing this aid to Ukraine? I mean, what is the the kind of we provide the uh, we give them like for example the question of handing over tanks or handing over any kind of weaponry. There is no regulation, there is no law, as far as I'm concerned, at least, you know, that the Polish army can donate or hand over. Like every, you know, every piece of of, of any hardware is always, you know, strictly, uh, is very strictly kind of, you know, put in all the books, databases of what, the Polish military is in disposal of. And I'm not talking only about machine guns and ammunition and howitzers and planes and tanks and everything, but, but also, you know, furniture, staples, you know, if you like, everything has to be evidenced very, very carefully. And, you know, there is no such an option in all, or at least as, again, I'm not aware of it, that they can just hand it over. So what is the kind of legal basis for it? I think it's a, it's a fair question to ask. Uh, and, uh, I don't know, is Poland looking for something in return? Are some of the, are some of the, these weaponry shipments or others support for Ukraine? Is it maybe a loan? I, I'm not sure myself. I'm just, you know, I'm inquiring. Uh, but, but this is even more critical in the sense that because you know, if the Polish government's aid to Ukraine is simply a series of free transfers, which it appears to be, I don't know, maybe it's all legal, maybe there is a legal framework for that, but I just, you know, I, I'm asking and I'm not getting any answers. I'm looking for it in the Polish media. It's not it's not being explained. Uh, but if it's just like, you know, we just send things like this, uh, then someone should perhaps uh, ask a question about the legality of those actions, because if they are not legal, then we're talking about massive 
embezzlement crime. You know, the Polish taxpayers, as far as I'm concerned, again, you know, and okay, I do not have a PhD in political science, but, you know, from general knowledge, taxpayers don't pay taxes for the government to transfer these funds to another country. I'm not saying that the, many of the Polish taxpayers are not happy with the Polish uh, government transferring money to Ukraine. I mean, the Polish public opinion is, in my opinion, uh, yeah, the Polish public opinion is, is, in my opinion, sorry for the strange uh, construction here, is, is, is pretty unhinged with regards to Ukraine. And, and the war, and, and maybe they'd be happy to, you know, transfer even more and so on and so forth. But still, I mean, there is law, there are regulations, and someone should, you know, be held accountable, I suppose, right? Okay, uh, so I, I, I just want to say that, that you know, I, I find it odd that no one has asked the government this question uh, perhaps the prime minister or whoever it would be would be kind of compelled to answer such such a question on behalf of the government wouldn't provide any coherent answer would likely i don't know hide behind some secrets uh, and i suppose such an argument would be valid when it comes to some specifics of military equipment that is sent but uh, how much money poland has given to ukraine and under what conditions i don't think it should be kept secret and uh, i think it's a fair question to ask once again i want to be clear about it i'm not against necessarily making you know supporting ukrainian refugees and stuff like that i'm against sending weapons to ukraine i've explained that many times but uh, you know things should be definitely a bit more transparent you know pretty recently i've heard the polish uh, president admitting publicly somewhere that no no actually the uh, weaponry that was sent by the polish army to the ukrainian army and i repeat i don't know on the basis of what kind of regulations or laws that happened but still it did happen and it, it was not coming from any reserves as previously as it was previously claimed, because the Polish army apparently has no reserves, whatever it means in this context, but it was just simply taken from the from the equipment that the, the Polish army possesses and uh, should be able to use in a situation of some kind of military uh, endangerment. So uh, we're probably gonna going to get some more surprising news with regards to that uh, sometime later. Uh, anyway, let's let's uh, get to uh, to the other um, to the other very concerning factor. I've spoken for more than half an hour and I promised promised myself that it's going to be less than that so uh, I'll be as brief as possible. Now, the second big news and I'm sure you've heard about it over the 48 hours it was all around the news everywhere. Former Polish foreign minister uh, one Radosław Sikorski, the husband of the world-famous neoconservative diva Anne Applebaum, has stated that the Warsaw government considered partitioning Ukraine in the early weeks of the military conflict between Kiev and Moscow. He really said that he was asked, uh, I think it was last Monday, so like four days ago, uh, in an interview with uh, Radio Z, which is a popular mainstream radio station in Poland, if the ruling law and justice government had ever considered dividing Ukraine, to which Sikorski replied, and I quote, I think there was a moment of trepidation in the first 10 days of the war when we all didn't know how it would go, when we all thought maybe Ukraine would fall. Now, I want to stress that he did not say that he knows. He only said that he thinks. And, uh, you know, that should be taken into consideration, regardless of how stupid this uh, statement is. Uh, of course, it elicited a flood of, of brutal, venomous, I, I don't know, maybe violent, I should even say, in linguistically violent reactions in the Polish public sphere. Immediately, you know, the pro-government media, Mateusz Morawiecki, the Poland's prime minister, described this statement as, uh, was it plucked from the vocabulary of Russian propaganda, uh, 
as I said, the media supporting the government in a similar vein, uh, as well as a portion of the opposition strongly criticized, of course, Sikorsky. And uh, they also said that, you know, this man should have no place in the opposition, particularly when it comes to political representation. And, uh, well, <laughs> he is a member of European Parliament from the civic platform, Donald Tusk's party. And, of course, the media syndicate, which is which is linked to Donald Tusk's party, uh, Gazeta Wyborcza, in particular, the Polish, as I, as I like to call it, poor copy of the New York Times, uh, they, they said that, ah, you know, doesn't matter so much. One, one utterance, one, one sentence said somewhere, not, not a smart one, but still, like, you know, it's, it doesn't matter so much. So, I mean, there, there is this, like, part of the opposition is, 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 um, strongly attacking the government, some other parties are trying to excuse uh, Radek Sikorsky. I think it's going to be very difficult to get rid of Sikorsky, who's married, as I said, to Anne Applebaum. I mean, someone with such a position in the international neocon uh, high society, I don't think you, you can <coughs> really get rid of him politically in Poland. That's that's not an option. Uh, but this is very, this is very significant because... Uh, why would he say that? Now, one reason that he said it is, of course, that this man has a record of reckless, nonsensical statements that are driven by his sort of super ego. And uh, he really does have a huge ego. And he thinks that whatever he says, uh, he, he's kind of uh, narcissistic, a pretty narcissistic person. Like whatever he says, he, he kind of, you know, thinks that this is, this is like pearls of wisdom that everyone should listen to and repeat and all the rest of it, right? So uh, he does make some weird say. You probably remember when he went after after the terrorist attack on Nord Stream 1 and Nord Stream 2, he, he published this tweet saying, thank you, USA, right? And then that was, of course, used by the Russians in their political communication, let's say, or in their propaganda, if you like. Uh, and uh, he was attacked by many people, including, you know, internationally, he was attacked by, uh, criticized at least, maybe not attacked, but criticized very heavily by people in the United States, by people in Europe, like, you know, serious people uh, in, uh, or important people, I should say serious is not the adequate term here, but important people in international politics. And he's still there, you know, and he still does it. So, uh, as I said, I don't think you can really get rid of him easily. And I don't think the American establishment will allow this or would want this to happen. Uh, and I'm not sure if they are so preoccupied uh, with his with this particular statement because uh, something is is something is brewing. Something is being cooked up. Something is happening. Some kind of escalation is obviously in the air, and uh, there's a lot of imp improvisation, I think, on the part of the West. Again, I have no. I have no internal information. I can only judge uh, on the basis of what I can find in the public record. But, uh, you know, this is very dangerous. The, the British press doing what they're doing, you know, calling Poland superpower and kind of trying to inflate Poland and kind of make, you know, the Polish government feel more increasingly confident in all their crazy ideas that would actually help them, as I explained earlier, on the domestic front. And then, you know, this this guy saying that oh well we've already actually considered it you know I mean the atmosphere that is being created is actually one sort of preparing uh, preparing the public opinion or preparing an atmosphere of allowance uh, you know of, of of this kind of thing to actually happen now again I want to believe that the Polish government stupid as it is, thick-headed as it is, will not go for anything like that if they need an example to look at somewhere, like how how bad it could go. They could look at Turkey, for example, their intervention in Syria. And Turkey is a much bigger country with much more consolidated, if you like, uh, political class, a country with a lot of... Uh, with with a much more capable political class and with a much more capable military. Uh, like we're talking about two different qualities in terms of statehood, Turkey and Poland. Not that I, again, please don't get me wrong. It's not that I want to praise now Erdogan or anything like that. I've always been very critical of him. Uh, but 
there are certain things that should be compared. One such thing uh, that could be compared, sorry, one such thing is precisely the attitude, the, the, the kind of intervention that they've, their intrusion into Syria and, and that is failing, that's failing. Even Erdogan is kind of now trying to solve it somehow. Uh, and, uh, yeah, we could talk about that some other time, but, uh, you can, you can find analysis about this on many other channels and also in the international media. Uh, so Poland, if Poland does anything even remotely close to that, it will suffer consequences that are absolutely unpredictable. And just as in 1939 and 1940, Poland would likely be facing Yet another destruction, a, way, a huge wave of destruction, borderline, uh, the, kind of, the, the kind of losing, losing its, its, its statehood, basically. That's what happened during the Second World War. And, of course, history never repeats itself. History repeats itself uh, as a farce. This is what we know from... Marxist classics, uh, that's all true, but that it's going to be farcical and maybe comical to a certain extent does not mean that it will be less dangerous. On the contrary, it will be more dangerous, more destructive, and much more difficult to rebuild whatever will be destroyed. And, uh, of course, this all, uh, you know, brings us to this, uh, to this statement made by i think it was sergey sergey narishkin the head of the of the intelligence of russian intelligence uh foreign intelligence service i think he said sometime last year i can't remember exactly even when i think it must have been march or or early, like april early stages relatively early stages of the current war that Washington and Warsaw are working on plans to establish Poland's tight military, uh, military and, and, and political administrational control over its historical uh, possessions in Ukraine, which is Western Ukraine, in the town or the city of Lviv, Lviv in, in Ukrainian, Lvov in Russian, and Lvov in Polish, to be totally politically correct here. Uh, the capital of Lithuania, by the way, Vilnius also used to belong to Poland. Uh, and, uh, and that, you know, the narrative created then was that, you know, Poland is now seeing a kind of option to get, to put their hands on those territories again and to, to hold them and to integrate them into Poland or something like that. And at the time I criticized it and I still am very critical of that statement. Narishki, I don't know where he's getting his intelligence from. I mean, I want to believe he's a serious person and a serious intelligence officer, but, you know, I, when I, come across statements like that, I, I really prompted to think that he's getting it from some telegram channels. Uh, and, and this is ridiculous. The statement that in Poland people today, the political class is actively thinking about regaining some historical possessions. This is nonsense. This is not true. This is not the case. There are some fringy elements in Polish politics, not even in, in politics, in, 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 in public discourse, if you like, fringy elements who really think that, you know, half of Lithuania, half of Ukraine, half of Moldova even should belong to Poland and probably some parts of Romania and other. So this is nothing serious. This has never been discussed in the Polish public sphere for as long as I can remember. And I've been active politically since 1997. Uh, no one has ever taken it up seriously. No one has ever considered it. Uh, as I say, as I said, except for some crazy people somewhere on the on the outskirts of, of of the public debate so the polish government is if they do this and i've said it then and i repeat it now if they ever do anything as reckless stupid uh and, and, and nonsensical and dangerous as this they will only do it if the americans tell them and unfortunately it seems increasingly that the Americans don't even have to tell them now that they actually might give them some kind of green light. They might just, you know, 
kind of hint that, yeah, well, maybe that would be okay. Uh, and, and they would do that because they have this problem that they're facing on the domestic front that they want to postpone elections. And I've said it many times, well, maybe not many, but at least a few times on this program and on other programs that they will try, in my opinion, to use the situation in Ukraine to introduce some kind of, uh, some form of, of, um, Pardon me, I just forgot the phrase. Not martial law, but the kind of law. Uh, emergency state. Thing. That, that's it. So they will e either introduce uh, an emergency state or maybe even martial law in some regions, not like all over Poland, in some regions uh, of Poland. And that will give them, that will open the way to postpone elections legally. Uh, not that they care so much about the legality of it anymore. Uh, provided how many violations uh, they have, the, you know, I mean, the, the, their entire past record is mostly violations of constitutions and other major and major laws in Poland. But that's that's for another show. Yet they still would have to probably provide some sort of general legal framework for that, uh, because elections are you know too symbolic, too heavy for them to just manipulate. So. Uh, now it seems like, you know, especially if you come to think about the kind of reckless statements by Kaczynski, uh, who said, again, sometime in March or April, that NATO should establish peacekeeping missions in Ukraine. Uh, and that those peacekeeping missions should be able to defend themselves. In other words, they should be able to shoot at Russian soldiers, I suppose, which is, you know, and at the time, even the Americans said, like, Kaczynski, please, you know, I mean, think before you say something. And they were very, very critical publicly of what he said. And even Zelensky at the time said that, you know, he is the president of Ukraine and he will decide what what armies are going to participate and where and in what format uh, in uh, a military conflict on the territory of the country that uh, he's a president too. So that was that was dismissed at the time. Uh, and uh, And perhaps now, after one year, after you know things have changed so drastically, maybe maybe someone will allow this. I don't know. I, again, I, I want to say clearly that you know Narishkin's words, Narishkin's statements, Narishkin's claims that there is this mental thing in the Polish society, and particularly in the Polish political class, to to somehow revise history and and revise the the. Polish territory, that would be very, very dangerous thing to do. I mean, just imagine what kind of avalanche of events it could trigger. I mean, we're talking going back, turning back the clock 70 years or so into uh, the times of the World War. I mean, you know, what are the Germans then going to say about the territories annexed by the, the current Polish state? I mean, half, well, not half of it, but let's say one third of, uh, of the country in the West used to belong to Germany. Did, Szczecin has never been Polish before, right? Uh, Wroclaw has never been Polish before. Well, with the exception of like, you know, in around between 1996 and 1000, yeah, 10, 30. Yeah, like, I mean, we're talking those those years, like, okay? I mean, at the beginning of the Polish, of, of the establishment of the Polish statehood. Then for a short while, those, those territories, those towns, those uh, cities... Mm -hmm. You know, villages or or whatever at the time, they belonged to what could be referred to as the Polish state, but never after, never after until uh, nineteen forty five. So we're talking about we're talking about a very very dangerous situation, and we're talking about not what Narishkin explained <coughs> that Poland is preparing to do that, but we're talking about a complete utter incompetence of the Polish ruling class, which is obviously not aware of the actions that it's considering, it might be considering to make, obviously not aware. And we're, we have politicians who come forward, say very stupid things, not thinking about the ramifications of those statements. And what is happening is an atmosphere is created where you are going to, where you, with Polish political class, regardless of whether they will want to make this, you know, whether they will want to go this one bridge too far, they will be kind of compelled to go because 
two, three, five, ten more statements like that from three, five, ten more politicians. Uh, you know, some weird remarks which are definitely going to be uttered when other people are, other people, other politicians will be reacting to that. Some interpretations or misinterpretations from what Joe Biden, you know, said uh, or attempted to say, something from Schultz, something from Brussels, some, you know, mistranslation, misinterpretation, and you will get into a kind of a situation where there will be no step back. I'm really afraid of it, and this is why I think it was very, very important to lay this out. Uh, I'm... I'm very worried about how things are going in Poland. And uh, I think everybody should be aware of it and everybody should worry. I mean, I'm again, I said it in the beginning of this program, I don't want anyone to freak out or anything like that. This is not the point, but I want people to be aware of what is going on and what is and how things are, are, are developing and in what direction. And, uh, I want to end this program. I want to thank you for your patience. As I said, I, I was hoping to uh, make a maximum 30, 35 minutes monologue. It didn't work. I will, uh, I will try my best to be more compact. Uh, in my next recording, thank you for your patience. I hope this was interesting for you. If you like our productions, please uh, hit the like button, the subscribe button, all the buttons you find necessary or, or meaningful in this context. And uh, if you can support our work, uh, then please use the PayPal links, uh, PayPal link or the Patreon link, uh, which is which you will find in the description box of this movie. And uh, you can also purchase a paid subscription via Substack on our Substack account, thebarricade.substack.com. Even if you, you can also uh, subscribe to our newsletter there for free, uh, so that you don't miss out on any of our productions. Thank you, thank you very much, and uh, I will see you soon.